Hello and welcome to Win the Middle. We're about to dive into a conversation that may very well redefine the way you see your next decade. In every stage of life, we encounter changes, challenges and opportunities for growth. But when it comes to midlife, why does it always seem to come with a crisis? And more importantly, how can we make these middle years our best years? My name is Jeff and my co-host Greg and I have come together around a shared passion for personal growth, training and triathlon. Jeff is the Head of Employee Experience and Capability at Macquarie Bank. And Greg is the CEO and co-founder of Education Disruptor Creatable. We're here to pull the curtain back and reveal that midlife isn't an end or a crisis, but a thrilling new chapter, ripe with opportunities for transformation and discovery. So buckle up. It's time to welcome the experience, the wisdom, and the potential of your middle years. Let's win the middle. Well, I think something we tend to do when we're exploring an idea is to flip it upside down, ask the opposite and just get different perspectives on an idea. And so we were tossing around the idea of doing the same thing for winning the middle and the opposite of that or flipping it upside down would be losing the middle. What have you thought about this week when you've contemplated what losing the middle would look like? For me, losing the middle is uh, managing stress and overwhelm with self-soothing addictions. It's withdrawing emotionally from people I care about and possibly even losing them. Mm -hmm. It's making rash and impulsive decisions about my career, like constantly sidestepping from one thing to the next without ever really building something of value. It's saying like effort with my health and just doing whatever feels good in the moment. And it's being a demanding and controlling parent who has explosive outbursts because of unprocessed emotion, Mm -hmm. someone the kids don't feel safe with and someone they don't feel like they can trust. Mm -hmm. That's losing the middle for me. (laughs) Yeah, that was about you? slightly triggering listening to that. <laughs> uh, do we want to do this? Um, yeah, so for me, the things that I was contemplating were not enjoying it. Oh, like yeah, that's Getting cool. to the end and then going, I didn't enjoy that or, or wishing it away. Like if only, you know, when we get to – it's going to be better like that kind of forward thinking, not just being present. Spending too much time at work and not enough time at home with family would be losing. Letting go of fitness and friends would be losing. Like I think if I not being fit at 50 and not using my body while it was in its better years, that would be losing. Uh, and so when I reflect on that kind of short list, I've spoken about the top five regrets of the dying before. That is regret two, four, and five. Hmm. The two I didn't mention were 
not having the courage to be myself and not expressing my feelings. But I, I think I'm less risk of that. But yeah, that's um, it's grim when you read it out. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's a, a real reality for a lot of people. Hey, totally. But I think it was still useful and this is what's useful about the way that we explore an issue from different angles is I think there's learnings when you when you do that. Yeah. Did you have any reflections of was there anything interesting that came out of that exercise for you? Yes. Uh it it revealed my priorities. So based on what I said I clearly care about my health, my marriage, my career, and my kids. Not not necessarily in that order. Mm. Uh, and so, for me, losing the middle is losing my way in how I navigate challenges in any one of these areas. Because there's going to be challenges, right? It, it doesn't mean that it's that health, marriage, career, kids is going to be without difficulty or without challenge. That's an unrealistic expectation. Mm. But feeling like I've lost my way in how I navigate challenges in any one of those four areas is, I think, the thing that makes me feel like I'm losing. Mm-hmm. So for me, losing is is having lost my way. Yeah. Losing is lostness for me, feeling lost. Yeah. Yeah. That resonates. It's okay for it to be hard. I just don't want to feel lost. Yep. It feels purposeless. Yeah. Mm. Aimless. Aimlessness. Yeah. Yeah. My learning was that not providing uh, or not being able to provide, not having enough, losing my job, losing money, etc. things that I worry about daily, none of them were on there. Oh, wow. That's super interesting. Yeah. So I think the disaster scenarios for me that I, I tend to catastrophize in my head and the things that I worry about are not necessarily the things that I'm going to define as, you know, good or not in 10 years' time. I thought that was Mm. super interesting. It was the inverse in some ways. Like I worry so much about not being able to provide and losing my job that I spend a lot of time there. But in doing so, I'm almost setting myself up to fail my definition of success. (laughs) What the? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by ma- by majoring on the minors, you're unable to. Uh, you're you're by majoring on the minors, you're minoring on the majors. Yeah, because you've got limited capacity. Yeah, nuts. Hey, well, it's so, not nuts. It's 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 valid and normal and a good thing to recognize. Yeah, I thought that was the power of the exercise for me was to go, oh, wow, that's interesting. Maybe I don't need to worry about that as much because I think the likelihood to practice with a uh, disaster scenario 
is to go. What is your what is your disaster scenario? I think I think it is like losing my job and the sense that you know I'm not going to be able to provide for the family and then um, we're really going to be struggling and so and I don't know where that comes from I don't know if that's like just this internal reptilian thing that I need to be the provider I don't know but that's like the thing that rattles around in my head is the disaster scenario. But with those things, it is good to kind of write it down and like just go nuts on the detail of what that would yeah. look like and then to contemplate, how, well, how likely is that to happen? And How likely is it to happen? I don't, know, I don't think it's very likely at all. There's so many <laughs> ways out. Um, this, is, this is the illogic of it all. Um, and but, if, if it did happen... How would you recover from it? Oh, I, I say this often. It's like uh, probably two phone calls and I'm sweet again. <laughs> That's so funny. Two phone calls and I'm sweet. Uh, wow. Yeah. So it, I, I think that's a that's an interesting process to go through, but that's you know our the title of our podcast is winning the middle it's interesting to think about what losing the middle would look like that's an interesting exercise on its own but more at a micro level we can't always win um, and losing is a part of life what's the worst loss you've had in your life and what did you learn from that I would say that the, the worst loss I've had uh, is a fresh one. It, it happened this year. Uh, so earlier this year uh, in June, I had to make uh, my whole team redundant. Mm. So the 18 months kind of leading up to that moment was really stressful. Uh, but the six months before it, uh, so the first six months of this year was just a furnace. Uh, and the, the loss that I experienced was the loss of people's trust in me as a leader. Uh, for some who I let go, uh, who lost their jobs, they lost trust in, in me and my character. But then for others who invested in the business, uh, maybe they were, they were kind of losing trust in my capability to turn things around. And so maybe I was losing trust in my capability to turn things around. Mm. And the reality was I couldn't, you know, like the market conditions, uh, the aspirational and disruptive nature of our product uh, and, and the revenue model, they just weren't in sync. And so it wasn't going to work commercially. And the right thing to do was to name that and to take responsibility for that, which I did. Uh, mm. But I, I definitely felt like I failed and that my capability was in question. Mm. And so it was rough. It was, um, yeah, it was it was pretty rough. And I'm still pretty raw from it, uh, mm. to be honest. Like when you're going through it, uh, you're in a sort of an adrenaline, like fight or fight, flight response. And you, it's very easy to park the emotion of it all and just and just focus on the things that you have to do. Like you're in execution mode. But mm. it's been a little bit of time now since the middle of the year. Uh, and I've had a bit of time and space to process, and yeah, I'm definitely still pretty raw and tender around it, and still reflecting on it. So, what did I learn? I was judging myself 
on outcomes, mm. but people were judging me on effort. And so I learned through the process to celebrate the effort, even in the midst of failed outcomes. And the effort uh, of Creatable and the effort of the business over seven years was tremendous and uncommon. Mm. I also learned that humility always wins. And I've said this before, uh, but it's it's a really core lesson for me. And so I'll, I'll continue to say it to myself till the cows come home. But if you only feel like you've got two options, like to give up or to keep pushing, there's always a third to humble yourself. And so what does humbling yourself look like? And it often unlocks a door that you didn't know was there. And it significantly influences how you go about things. So the spirit that you bring to hard conversations and hard decisions is just as important as what you say, do or decide. Uh, and so they're probably the two big lessons at this point for me is humility always wins and humility really helped me navigate a challenging time. Uh, and uh, when I'm really hard on myself, judging myself on outcomes, the people around me that are closest to me are, are looking at me and they're not judging me on outcomes. They're judging me on effort. Mm. Mm. What about you? What's the worst loss you've had in life and what did you learn from it? I tossed this one around for a while and I thought of relationship loss, physical loss and sporting loss. And so relationship loss I think have been the hardest and I could think of a bunch of them but through death and divorce and I don't want to name names but through death and divorce that has been incredibly hurtful loss mm. and physical loss I thought of a time when uh, I, I, I broke my, my leg and what I learned from that process was I, I kind of lost my superpower at the time, which was speed, but it, it was an opportunity for me to get better at guitar when I was getting back into sport because I didn't have my speed. I had to get better at skills. So as my speed came back, I was a more complete player. There was actually this real silver lining to it. And, you know, sporting losses, they were like in my memory as I was trying to think of like worst losses in my life, I thought of they were the ones that impacted me the less, but the the least. Like one one year, I, w I would literally have a series of these and they're not worth all sharing, but there was lessons in all of them. For example, the Shark Island swim one year, which you used to go really well in. I was chasing this guy the whole way. like, And we got to the beach and I'm like, ah, oh, it's just a swim. Like I'm not going to sprint up the beach. And um, he was in my age group and he came third and I came fourth. <laughs> and I was like, like the learning out of that was like, don't try and be cool. Like care, like do your best <laughs> to the line. And that was, uh, that was just a, a little lesson in that one. But as I kind of worked through that and realized, well, well, you know, the sporting losses are probably the ones I could tell the stories about, but, the ones that hurt the most have been the relationship ones 
Yes. And it made me think about uh, a concept that you told me about originally, which is the concept of finite and infinite games because relationships and death and divorces as final things in an infinite game which what something that should be an infinite game feel incredibly painful. Whereas mm. sports like, you know, defined time frame and um, there's a winner and a loser and that happens all the time. That's kind of easy to deal with. Did you want to explain, because I think you'd probably explain it better than me, the concept of finite and infinite games and whether that kind of resonates when you're thinking about loss? Yeah, totally. So this is a Simon Sinek concept and the idea here is what game am I playing? A finite game or an infinite game? So a finite game has known players, agreed upon rules and an agreed upon score. And it's finite. It's got a start, middle and an end. And the objective in a finite game is to win the game by having the highest score. So, so baseball or football or a triathlon, they're, they're, they're finite games. Uh, an infinite game is different. It's got known and unknown players. There isn't a collectively agreed upon set of rules or a collectively agreed upon score. The rules and the score could change at any moment for anyone playing the game. The game existed long before we arrived and will keep going long after we leave. And the objective in an infinite game is to perpetuate the game. It's to keep playing. So the question is, what is the nature of the game that I'm playing? If I'm doing a triathlon, then I'm playing a finite game. I have, a, I have competitors, an agreed upon set of rules. The score is the time it takes for me to finish the race. And, and there's a start, middle and end to the effort. So I can win a triathlon. But I can't win marriage because who am I competing against? What are the rules? How am I keeping score? Uh, and I also can't win the game of business. Uh, rules change, different companies measure themselves against different criteria. Business was around long before I got here and it will be here long after I leave. So these are infinite games where the objective is to simply keep playing, to stay in the game. Mm -hmm. And so the only way to fail at an infinite game is to quit playing. So for me, if I view my business as a finite game, then I've lost, I've failed. Uh, but if I view my career as a leader, as a communicator, as a strategist, as, as an infinite game, then yeah, like I've been hit pretty hard uh, and I couldn't do what I set out to do in this instance, but I can 100% keep playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what just occurred to me when I was thinking about, wow, it's the relationships that hurt the most because that's meant to be an infinite game yeah. in some ways. Yeah, but when someone dies or when a marriage ends, yep. the, the infiniteness all of a sudden ends yep. and, it, and it's lost, you know, or it, yeah, and, and, that, and that hurts the most. Yeah, that's a fair point. Hmm. Hmm. Is there an area of life... I mean, this is going to get pretty raw, but is there an area of life you feel like you're losing at right now? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm losing uh, at work 
in the sense of just I'm putting a, like a lot of effort and this maybe goes a little bit to what you were saying about effort versus outcome. You know, I'm not delivering the way that I'd like or my boss would like. hope she's not listening. Uh, well, she'd probably go, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but I'm putting a lot of effort in. I'm trying my best and, and yeah, probably just not getting the results I'd like yet. And, but that's coming at a price because of the amount of effort. And so that is detracting time from family, training, uh, the other thing, parts of my life that are important to me. So I feel like I'm losing at that right now. And having said that, as I was tossing that around in my head, it, it reminded me of this old Chinese parable of the farmer which I'll tell you how that goes. So there's a farmer and he's just feeling a bit sorry for himself, just feels like life's not going in his direction, his farm's not going well. And um, so he goes to a guru to tell them about this and um, the guru says to him, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. And he just leaves it at that. And the farmer is confused by the analysis or the advice and he goes home and he goes to bed and he sleeps it off and he's just, you know, wrestling with this, like, why would the guru say that? Like, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. And he wakes up in the morning and a wild stallion has come onto his farm and he just can't believe his luck because it's just in time for the crop and it's going to help so much. And so he goes back to the guru and he tells the guru and he's super excited and he's like, you won't believe my luck. Like a wild stallion just came to my farm, like just when I was thinking things down. And the guru says to him, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. And he goes home, he's like, this guru, what? Every, all this, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad business, but I've got my wild stallion. I'm going to put all my money into buying as much seed as I can so I can have the biggest harvest. I've got this stallion, it's going to harvest it for me. So he plants the crops, the crops are growing, he's about to harvest it and the stallion runs away. And so he goes back to the guru and he's like, you won't believe what happened. I put all my money into my crop and my stallion ran away. I don't know what I'm going to do. And the guru says, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. And so he goes home, goes to sleep, He's stressed, he's anxious, he wakes up in the morning and the stallion's there but it's brought other stallions back with him and he just can't believe it. He goes back to the guru, he's like, you won't believe it, I've got more stallions, I can do the whole crops, this is so good. And the guru says, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. And he goes home uh, all excited about doing his crop and him and his son get up in the morning and they're working the fields and his son falls off the horse. And he badly injures himself. It's going to take months to recover. And so he goes back to the guru and he's like, what is going on? And the guru says, maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. And he goes home and the next day the army comes around and they're bringing into their fold any able kids and, and, and healthy adults. And, but they don't take him because he's injured. And uh, so he goes back to the guru and he says, you won't believe what happened because my son's injured. The army came around, but they didn't take him because he's injured. And the guru says again, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. And so 
that's the whole parable of maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. But I think the application of that is to, in any setting, and say the setting I'm in right now, and I'm going, I'm so stressed, I'm so anxious about work, I'm working so hard, I'm not getting the results, you know, I'm worried and I'm just sad about my lot in life. And the guru would say to me, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. And I think that's like a really interesting frame to put on the the situation. And I think the second part of it is to look for the silver lining in whatever the situation is. And when I spoke about physical loss before and when I broke my leg, good things came out of that scenario. So that was a real, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad scenario. There was heaps of good in it. And so I think there is, you know, a learning out of, you know, something that's not going well for me right now is, you know, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, but there will be a silver lining in it. In the fullness of time, I'll know what that is. I don't maybe know what it is now, but yeah, that was that was my reflection on where am I losing right now and is there a, a learning in, in, in all of that? Yeah, I um, as, as I mentioned, I'm in a bit of a transition phase with work and, and so it's hard to feel like I'm winning when I haven't started building something new. Mm. Uh, and so I've had to process my own perceived failure uh, as a leader and, and these seasons of transition and reflection are often longer than we'd like them to be. Mm. Uh, and so I've felt pretty raw lately, lots of emotion coming up for me. And so I've, I've you, one of the questions that you asked me to consider was, you know, what's an al- alternate perspective on it, on what's going on? I have a similar story. Uh, have you heard about how they grow bamboo in China? Wow, we're spending some time in China this episode. Yeah, I haven't are. heard this one. I'm excited. Let's this go. Is not, this is not like a, a, a – this isn't a story. This is real. Uh, so when they, when they sow the seed in the soil and they water it, uh, nothing happens. So a year passes, two years, three years, nothing happens. The person growing the bamboo uh, continues to irrigate, fertilise, care for it without any visible signs of growth. Another year passes, so four years, and nothing has emerged through the soil. So they can't, no visible growth. Uh, Then suddenly in the fifth year, something miraculous and incredible happens. Within one week, the bamboo grows to be 90 feet tall. In one week. Yep. So five years underground. Nothing happens. It hasn't nothing has pierced the, the the soil, but they keep watering it, fertilizing it, cultivating it, and then after five years, within one week, ninety feet tall. And so, um, people who are growing other trees can obviously see results within one season. Mm. Uh, they're able to harvest their investment much quicker. But here is a tree that doesn't even break the ground until the fifth year. Hmm. And so the question is, did the bamboo gree, gree, bamboo tree grow 90 feet tall in a week or in five years? Hmm. And the answer is obvious. It, it spent five years growing underground hmm. 
developing the root system strong enough to hold its potential height. And had the person stopped, uh, had the person growing the bamboo tree stopped nurturing it, watering it and fertilizing it during that period, when there was no visible signs of success, then the bamboo tree would have died in the ground. Mm. Uh, and so I feel like my journey as a leader is like the bamboo tree. Mm. Uh, not much to point to in terms of visible growth or success at the moment, but I know I've been developing underground, building a root system strong enough to support my potential. Mm. That is an interesting way of looking at it. And something that happened this week at our squad, uh, so shout out to anyone from HPT that's listening. We did, we did a session where there was a couple of 200-meter max efforts. max efforts. I remember that session. Yeah, ugly. Woof. And... <laughs> The, dy- the dynamic of the group was that, like, there was a lot of PBs that night. It was awesome. It was such a good session. But one of the guys, Scotty, did a 15-second PB. And there was no drafting. Like, we were off 10 seconds. So there was big gaps in the lane. And he went 15 seconds faster than he's ever gone over 200 meters. But, which is awesome. But actually, when I reflected on that, I was like, actually, that's how it often happens. It's just, it's not a gradual chipping away of like one second per hundred, one second per hundred, one second per hundred, and then I'm all of a sudden a a chunk faster. It seems to go in steps in all the disciplines I've noticed. Like I can ride at this power. Oh, all of a sudden now I can ride at this power. But it it was not linear. The progression was not linear. So I actually think that what you're saying there is a, a story of of growth as as much of yeah you know experiencing loss and and not feeling like you're winning for a period of time i've seen that just in general sporting context too mm. yeah that's cool it's a cool thought yeah it's almost like every if you say we grow in steps or we improving in step changes uh maybe we all they're all, they're just needs to be a period of time where we grow underground for a bit and, and we so we don't see there's no visible signs of progression mm. it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that something isn't happening mm. it just hasn't broken ground yet yeah hasn't made the step yeah that's cool uh have who have you seen lose well and what have you observed uh of them so there was a couple of people that came to my mind with this one was just a kid at school the other day and he's the smart kid of the class but super lovely his family's super lovely and zeke um ours he, he filled his filled his chart he was the first in his class to fill five charts or whatever. Um, and the kid just came up to him and said something like, this is in front of Kylie. So Kylie saw it. She was like, he just came up to Zeke and he like grabbed him. This is a six-year-old, right? Grabbed him and said, Zeke, well done on filling your, 
your hourly chart. I'm so proud of you. And then, and like, was just full of energy and like celebrating Zeke. And that is an infinite gain. That's just, mm. you know, it's not I win, you lose. It's an attitude if there's enough here for all of us and I can be happy for you. And so, yeah, um, that <laughs> learning from a six-year-old, I thought that that's, that's losing well if you define it as, as losing. And that's maybe the point, right? You don't see it as a loss. And then I think of, you know, sporting figures like a, a Roger Federer, for example, who's just so classy and the way that you view, like his record's phenomenal. It stands alone as far as sporting excellence goes, but it's more about the man's character. And again, when he loses and the way that he's able to champion up the other person and recognize their greatness in doing so, you admire his character more. Mm. So again, infinite game, like he lost the finite game, but he won the infinite game. Mm. So they're both, That's cool. they're, you know, one sporting, one school, but they were the two that like immediately came to my mind of when I thought of someone losing well and um, yeah, what I observed in them. And it was the attitude and their response to the loss that I found mm. impressive. Mm. What did you reflect on that one? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take this opportunity to steer hard into the world of triathlon. Uh, and, and two people that I've watched recently lose well were Christian Blumenfeld and Lucy Charles Barkley. Mm. So two, one of the the top male triathlete and one of the top female triathletes in the world at the moment. When they lose, you can see that it hurts, like it hurts them, it's painful. Mm. But they, they investigate why they lost and then they adjust their training and preparation as more informed athletes. So Lucy Charles just won the uh, Women's Ironman World Championship in Kona. How many times has she gotten second? Like five? She got second five times and won her sixth? Or did she get second four times and won her fifth? I think it was four. But yeah, okay. either way. Yeah. So four seconds uh, and then and then finally one. Uh, and so like that's pretty that's pretty incredible to keep having a swing at it. Hmm. Uh, one of my other friends, Elsie Wellings, uh, oh, yeah. who's a, a marathon runner, uh, she has an incredible story of like mm. making the Olympics, mm. getting injured and mm. un being unable to go, mm. then making it four years later, getting mm. injured, being unable to go, then making it four years later, getting injured and being unable to go. And I think, I think what I notice... And same with like Christian Blumenfeld, he's obviously won a lot of races, but he's lost uh, a lot of ones too. And he doesn't seem to take himself too seriously either. Like he mm -hmm. takes his training probably more seriously than anyone. 
but but he's quite a relaxed and jovial kind of guy and i like that he kind of prepares serious but leads like relaxed mm. or you know competes relaxed i think what i learn as i look at these athletes uh who have a lot, lot of losing across their careers but they're still champions is that losing is the most information rich data stream there is mm. Like failure at the end of the day, it's just information. Hmm. And they, they kind of just see it as that and they hmm. go, all right, what can I learn from this in order to make myself better? Yeah. Uh, and it's a little bit like Trevor Hendy's The Conditions Are Perfect. Like my, my goal is to master this, like to, yep. to keep perfecting it. Uh, and so losing teaches me better than anything uh, what, I can, what I can improve and what I can adjust. And so uh, as I bring this back to me as a CEO, um, knowing, knowing why I lost is important, but equally important is adjusting kind of how I build and lead next time around. Yeah. Another one of your heroes, Kelly Slater, who I, really, I think you could make an argument for being one of the greatest sportsmen of all time. Just as far yeah, no, as sheer magnitude of world titles and totally wins. eleven, no one else has won eleven world titles in any sport, and he's the the youngest and the oldest person to win in a world title. Yeah, and I think if you trace back to the, you might be able to confirm this, but um, trace back to the youngest, uh, part of him winning as i've heard a, a version of a story goes that he just views it as practice so there was no pressure because it was like well this is practice i'm i'm learning i'm constantly learning and you know maybe it maybe it it feels like more pressure at a different point in time but right now i'm just practicing imagine going into scenarios where it feels high high pressure and just going, this is just practice because it's, yeah. it's a um, totally different kind of mindset. Yeah. There's a – because I'm in the world of sort of advertising, film production, there's a company in the States. You know how companies – some companies have like, um, you know, established 1979, you know, like, mm. like the, the sort of the date that they were founded. Yep. Uh, as you walk – uh, as you walk through the, the doors in New York, underneath the sign is never established. Yeah, cool. And, and, and I really like that idea of, of embracing the fact that we, we, don't, we don't ever arrive. Like we are always in process. Mm. And as the stakes get higher, we're still in process. We have never arrived. You know what? Something as you were talking through the the Christian Blumenfeld Lucy Charles Barclay thing, obviously I'm familiar with their wins and their losses as you are, and I in my head I was thinking about the one where Blumenfeld lost to Fredino, and it was yes. probably you know like his only chance to race Fredino because of the the way that you know there was COVID and. And that hurt him. You saw it on his face when he crossed the finish line. He was hurt. Totally. 
And that was what, that was, as you were talking about that, that's the exact image that was in my head was like, he was so disappointed. And I do think there's something that I, as we've been talking through this and thinking clearly about what's a finite game and what's an infinite game where, where it's a finite game, it's okay to try your best and to try and win. Like I often say, when it comes to like a game, oh, well, if we're in a race, you may as well try and win. Like, mm. and because I think at a subconscious level, I've understood that's the purpose of the game. Like you can kind of, you know, have fun and whatever, but the the actual purpose of the game is to win. That's the, that's the established rules and everyone understands it. And I think you look at Blumenfeld and that's integrity. Like he tried his best. He lost and he was really disappointed. But then he also is able to go, well, that was the finite game, back into the infinite game of life. And I'm not yeah. going to take that too seriously. Like I did this also because I like the lifestyle the and it's fun and I was learning and that ability to kind of clearly shift between the games is yeah. something that as you were talking about that, I was like, wow, yeah. You can see it hurts them when they lose because they invest a lot and it's important and it means something to them, but they can kind of lift in and out of the game. Yeah, and that's why the question, what is the nature of the game that I'm playing, a really important one to consider because mm. you don't want to try and play an infinite game with a finite game mentality, mm. but then you don't want to try and play a finite game with an infinite game mentality either. Yeah. And so being able to correctly switch mm. and, and swiftly switch between the two yeah. is I think a really, it's a, it's a skill of resilience. Mm. Uh, have you got any other thoughts on how we can lose well, like lose the battle but win the war? Mm. I think my takeaways from the conversation today are to go to the two, I guess, big thematics we've had which are uh, maybe good maybe bad <laughs> and just yeah having that mindset I think when I was you know I was talking about losing at work at the moment and when I put that frame over the top of it maybe it's good maybe it's bad it just it actually made this the situation feel very different for me mm. So that's one big concept we've covered and and then the second big frame that we've just been covering now is being clear is this a finite game or is it an infinite game and making you play, mm. making sure you're playing the right game. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. I wonder if that what that skill is or what that is is suspending judgment. Mm. Yeah. Like not, not being quick to judge something as being good or bad, mm. but just suspending judgment. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I've, um, I'm acutely aware that life is difficult and everyone loses every now and then. There are peaks and troughs through the hero's journey, right? Mm. And so you, back to like the infinite game idea, you, you haven't quit if you stop. You've quit if you don't start again. Mm. And so sometimes stopping is exactly the right thing to do. 
And stopping can feel like failing because we've decided not to progress or proceed with a certain relationship, project, role or person. But stopping is only quitting if we don't restart in a different direction or at a different time. And so if I apply this to my 2023 work journey, I had to stop a commercial model that that was funding our mission because it wasn't working. Mm. Uh, And the consequence of that was that good people lost their jobs. Mm. But I haven't quit as a leader or a pioneer. I'm just waiting for the opportunity to go again. Mm. And it makes me think of the rule of thirds, uh, which I've heard a lot of athletes talk about. So the rule of thirds is that when you're training, you're meant to feel good a third of the time, okay a third of the time, and rubbish a third of the time. That's normal. If you feel good two-thirds of the time, you're not training hard enough. If you feel rubbish uh, two-thirds of the time, then you're training too much or too hard and there's too much fatigue and you're not recovering properly. And so if we apply that to life, if we apply that to our careers, right, I go, maybe it's normal that we're meant to feel good a third of the time, okay a third of the time, and rubbish a third of the time. Uh, Maybe that shows that where there's enough enough discomfort uh, that's actually stimulus causing us to grow and develop. Like, I don't know if it's meant to be like waking up every day with a spring in your step, get out of bed, like ready to attack the world. Like if, if that's how I felt in training, then I'd be go, okay, there's, there's not enough discomfort. Like I'm not going to improve here uh, if, if I feel good too much of the time. And so, yeah. Maybe what I, a reflection for me is the fact that I, the fact that I felt a bit rubbish uh, around my career shows that uh, I, I put myself outside of my comfort zone, and there's enough agitation and, and discomfort that has is stimulating growth and development. Uh, there's enough resistance that that is causing me to get stronger. You know, the the, the bamboo tree is growing underground. Uh, and, and so maybe, yeah, maybe it's okay. It's okay not to feel good all the time. Mm. And the only way that you lose the infinite game is to quit. Yeah. It's to stop playing. (laughs) Yeah. And so back to the idea of winning the middle, it's funny because we're calling an, an infinite, the middle is an infinite game, mm. but win is a, is a finite outcome. A finite mindset. Yeah. <laughs> so in the title of this pop podcast, which is fine, um, we're not going to change the name. Yeah. Uh, but I think the idea and the reason why we flipped it and went losing the middle is because the objective of the middle is to keep playing. Mm is to stay in the game. 
And there's going to be times where we feel like we're winning and there's going to be times where we feel like we're losing. Mm. Yeah, don't quit the middle is not quite as catchy. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't quit the middle. <laughs> but that's maybe more correct. Yeah, theoretically correct. Keep playing. <laughs> yeah, keep playing. Keep playing. Boring. <laughs> We hope today's conversation has provided you with some food for thought and a new perspective on how to make these middle years your best years. Remembering that midlife is not about crisis, it's about growth, transformation, and embracing the strength that comes from experience.